This podcast supports the Innocent Lives Foundation, ILF. The ILF is made up of security professionals whose mission is to identify anonymous child predators and help bring them to justice. The professionals are volunteers who are masters in everything from open source intelligence to exploit writing, who donate their time to identify child predators and hand cases over to law enforcement agencies. With their non-vigilante stance, they do everything in their power to create airtight cases for law enforcement agencies. You can join this fight by donating to the ILF to directly fund this powerful mission. To learn more about the ILF and to donate, please visit their website at www.innocentlivesfoundation.org. Thank you. Welcome to episode 32 of the Beat Picture Podcast. My name is Bidim Yologunde. This podcast presents lessons we can learn from fascinating cybersecurity topics, news, events, and incidents, and how those lessons can influence our decisions, thoughts, opinions, and lifestyle choices, as well as how everything fits together to form the bigger picture of online security in this digital age. Today on the show, I'll be talking about elder fraud in South Carolina in the US, um, a new report about the prevalence of cyber stalking in modern relationships, and the recent case of a cyber stalker who blackmailed a candidate for political office in Nebraska in the United States. Thanks for the time. Let's get to it. So to start with, um, the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the United States, they recently um, released the 2020 Elder Fraud Report that revealed that about 1,350 South Carolinians aged 60 years and above fell victim to cyber scammers and reported losses of nearly $10 million in 2020. Across the United States, there were over $1 billion in losses by victims aged 60 and above, which represents about 28% of all the losses reported to the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center, the IC3. The average dollar loss by those aged 60 and above nationwide was about $9,175. Um, senior citizens are highly targeted by exploitative cyber criminals, so it is very important that family members should assist in protecting their elders to prevent them falling victim to such crimes. So, the senior citizens, we all know they've, they've worked, um, for pretty much a good portion of their lives and now it's time for them to retire, but then they don't necessarily know the ins and outs of online banking, um, how to manage their investments online, setting up strong passwords, for example, how not to respond to phishing emails or even how to, how to identify phishing emails. So it's, it's the, um, the role of the younger family members, people that, the people that understand the internet to a certain extent to be able to protect these elders from getting scammed. So the release of the annual report from the FBI was in coordination with the annual World Elder Abuse Awareness Day, which was on June 15th, in which the entire Department of Justice in the U.S. echoed voices around the world condemning elder abuse, neglect, and exploitation. So the World Elder Abuse Awareness Day takes into consideration every other area where senior citizens and elders are being abused, for example, in in nursing homes um in yeah nursing homes there's usually reports of how some of the staff in nursing homes mistreat elders um they basically abuse them and there's also instances in in families all over the country all over the world where some family members abuse elders they neglect them 
or they exploit them, um, in this case, um, fraudulently. So now we've seen cases where um, cyber criminals are also exploiting elders because they know there will be less um, internet savvy and therefore be, be more open to exploiting them to steal their money and so on. According to the FBI's annual report, the most common scams against seniors in 2020 were extortion, non-payment slash non-delivery, tech support fraud, and identity theft. Some of these crimes stemmed from the new use of digital purchasing goods um, during the pandemic. So a lot of people ordered stuff online during the pandemic. Um, they ordered food, um, groceries, um, so many different things. So again, these elders don't necessarily know how to operate computers and don't necessarily know how to keep themselves secure and safe online. And of course, these cyber criminals exploit that as well. So any victims of cyber crimes can contact the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center at www.ic3.gov. That's the letter I, the letter C, and the number 3.gov. Next on the um, episode, I'm going to be talking about the recent um, report that was released by Norton, the antivirus company that exploits, um, that explores cyber stalking in modern day relationships. So one third of adults who have been in a romantic relationship admit to cyber stalking their current or former partners, according to the 2021 Norton Cyber Safety Insights Report. The research surveyed 10,030 adults, 10,030 adults aged 18 and above in 10 countries. Um, those 10 countries are the United States, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Japan, Italy, India, Germany, France, and Australia. So that re research found striking generational differences among Americans' cyber-stalking tendencies in modern relationships. So the first um, point here is that three out of five Gen Z and millennial American adults who have been in a romantic relationship admit to stalking an ex or current partner online by checking in on them without their knowledge or consent, more, which is more than double the percentage of Americans who are 40 and above. So three out of five Gen Z and millennial Americans do this thing where they cyberstalk their current or former partners, but the Americans who are 40 years and above, only 24% of them do it. So next up is 42% of younger Americans, that's age 18 to 39, who have been in a romantic relationship believe that their significant other is at least somewhat likely to download an application on their devices to monitor their activities such as text messages, phone calls, direct messages on social media apps, emails, and pictures. So this figure is three times the percentage of older Americans age 40 and older, and that's 14%. So 42% of younger Americans believe their partners um, can download stuff on their phone to monitor them. But then 14% of Americans age 40 and older believe this to be the case. So this is concerning because it shows there's a major erosion of privacy expectations among the younger generation. And the causes for this are not exactly clear, maybe because they are more prone to being on social media, they are more prone to be influenced by what they see on social media 
maybe painting a picture that no one is to be trusted and so on. So therefore, they are more likely to carry out these activities and install all these kind of monitoring devices. But then younger Americans also seem to have lower expectations of one another. Um, there's this thing called ghosting where you invite someone to go hang out during the weekend, but then you don't hear from them can to, to cancel that invitation and then they don't show up on that day and days go by and no one is saying anything about, oh, you couldn't make it or what happened. And they just carry on as if nothing happened. And sadly, that has become to be, that has come to be expected as normal because if, if someone won't be attending an invite, then you wouldn't expect them to tell you they're canceling. So it's like, it's not normal that ghosting is the way to cancel an invitation. I don't know if that, that makes sense. And also the younger Americans um, seem less likely to believe that they have a right to privacy or at least they have much lower expectations that privacy can be achieved. 35% of Americans aged 18 to 39 believe that it is harmless to stalk a current or former partner online, while just 11% of Americans aged 40 and older agree to that. Younger Americans are also three times more likely than those that are 40 and older to agree that online stalking is okay if both partners have cheated or are suspected of cheating. They also admit that it would be more likely to stalk a lover or an ex online if they knew they would not get caught. 14% of Americans aged 18 and to between 18 and 39 have, who have been in a romantic relationship acknowledge that they have used an app to secretly monitor their significant other's device activity. Um, between September 2020 and May 2021, Norton Labs research team found a 63% increase in the number of devices infected with stalkerware. So those are the applications where that you can install to monitor someone else's activities on their phones. They are called stalkerware. So this 63% increase amounted to more than 250,000 compromised devices per month. And that was between September last year, September 2020, and May 2021, just last month. So this time frame, um, we see a correlation or an overlap between the, the pandemic um, period where everyone was locked in and no one could exactly go anywhere. So there was an increase in the amount of stalkerware applications that people were secretly installing on their current or former partner's devices to, to stalk them, basically. Additional findings on American adults show that men are three times more likely than women to use invasive apps to spy on their significant other. Men are also more likely than women to track a current or former partner's location and physical activity online. Although many couples may be spending more time together in lockdown, the most common online stalking behaviors remain the same. Checking the current or former partner's phone, 19%. Reviewing their partner's search history on one or more of their devices, 16%, without their knowledge or consent. So this, this first part of this um, topic, this segment, focuses on Americans and the way they, they behave regarding cyberstalking and how they use stalkerware, the, the apps that stalk other people on their phones. So now I'm going to talk about the global results. So despite the rise of stalkerware over the past year, the report also found that 86% of adults are not familiar with stalkerware. So as much as stalkerware has increased 
since September of last year up to May of this year, basically last month, there's still a large number of people who are not familiar with what a stalkerware application is. And 11% are somewhat familiar and only 4% are very familiar. All over the world, cyberstalking is not unusual. 34% of people who have been in a romantic relationship admit to checking on a former or current partner online without their knowledge or consent. And the number is especially high in India, where 74% of adults do that. And it's very low in Japan, where only 9% of adults do that. But for the remaining eight countries, that number falls somewhere in between 27 to 38 to 38 percent so generally the most common reason that is given for stalking um, people online is curiosity in india the the most common reason for that was safety and interestingly in the netherlands lack of trust was the reason most people gave when they answered the question so in india it's safety in the netherlands it's lack of trust in the remaining eight countries where this survey was carried out, the, the general consensus was that, oh, it's out of curiosity. Another interesting finding is that globally, 28% of respondents said they don't care if they are being stalked online by a current or former partner, as long as they are not being stalked in person. So 28% of people said that, and 22% of people consider the practice of stalking a current or former partner online harmless. So I've given a lot of numbers so far. Um, basically, the whole point of this segment is just lay it out that, okay, people stalk people online. More people do that than we think. And in the same vein, a lot of people also are not familiar that with the fact that there are apps that people can download on your phone, maybe secretly or maybe even knowingly you give them your phone and they download something on your phone. And that thing is doing something else than what it claims to be doing. So what can we do if we are being tracked? Cyberstalking can take on many forms, but the common theme is that it is unwanted, it's invasive, and it's obsessive. So the first thing is install or uninstall any app that you don't recognize on your phone. Um, last episode or the previous one, I talked about how every month or every two weeks, I go through my phone and any app that I've not used in the past one month, I delete them. So first of all, I don't even have people installing apps on my phone. I kind of, I'm, I'm conscious of having my phone in anyone's hands. That's just my own threat model. And then second of all, even the apps I installed myself, once I find myself not using that app, then I delete it. And unless something makes me go back to install the app, then I use it again. So that way it's, you know, I'm on top of every app I have, the permissions I give them. There are some apps where maybe it, it, it's, an, it's an online account and then they have an app for you to be able to monitor your accounts easily. If I don't need to check that app, then I won't install it. I will just log on my computer, check the account whenever I need to check it, and log out. So I don't necessarily have to have, for example, online banking. The, the banks that need, okay, if I need to transfer money urgently to someone, or if I need to do a transaction, then I would have the app on my phone. There are other banks where 
maybe it's just a savings account. I don't need to, I don't even need to be able to use or transfer or do any transaction. So I only check that account when I log in from my computer. So I don't necessarily need the app of that bank on my phone. So if you use an Android device, updates to Android 11 or a newer version of the Android operating system because the icons of stalking apps cannot be hidden on Android 11 devices. Check your device settings to make sure that only apps you trust have access to privacy-sensitive permissions. Install a security app to monitor your device. So there are so many apps that do that for you. Um, of course, you have to first guarantee that they are a trusted um, app developer before you even install it on your phone because some of them will claim to monitor your device for you, but then they are actually the ones stealing all your information to someone else. If you or anyone you know is a victim of domestic violence, including tech-enabled abuse, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, the hotline.org, provides confidential and anonymous support 24-7, and they are also reachable by phone at 1-800-799-7233. In addition, there's also this organization called Love is Respect, and their website is loveisrespect.org. They provide teens and young adults with confidential and anonymous support by phone, and their phone number is 1-866-331-9474. So the final segment I have here is the case of a cyber stalker who blackmailed a candidate for political office in Nebraska. So 48-year-old Dennis Srinowski, I think I got that right was found guilty of cyberstalking on Monday, June 21st by a jury in the U.S. District Court of Nebraska after he threatened to make public nude photos of the wife of a candidate for the Nebraska State Legislature. He was found not guilty of a second charge, which is the intent to extort. So he was found guilty of one charge, cyberstalking, but then he was found not guilty of the second charge, intent to extort. So what happened was in October 2018, about almost three years ago, Jeff Paris, who at the time was running for the District 14 seat in Nebraska State Legislature, received emails from a man who his wife, Diane Paris, was in a relationship with more than 20 years prior. The emails demanded that Jeff Paris drop out of the race and it contained personal information about Diane Paris, his wife and also included a nude photo of Diane Paris. So this man used to date um, Jeff Paris's wife about 20 years ago, sent him emails containing his personal information and his wife's nude pictures, then telling him to drop out of the race if he doesn't want to be embarrassed with these nude pictures of his wife from maybe 20 years ago, whenever they dated. So according to Diane, who managed her husband's electoral campaign in 2018, she had consented to, to the photo when it was taken years ago, but not to its distribution. The couple reported the emails to the La Vista Police Department and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Jeff Paris did not drop out of the race due to those threats, but then he, he lost the race, maybe due to other reasons. Diane Paris testified in 2019 in support of a state revenge porn law that would make it illegal to share explicit photos or videos with the intent to harass. 
Nebraska was one of seven states that did not have a law against revenge porn. The bill she testified for did not pass, but legislators passed another bill in the 2019 session that made revenge porn illegal and a valid basis for a lawsuit. Shrinowski is due to be sentenced on September 22nd and he faces a fine of up to $250,000 and could be ordered to serve a prison term of up to five years. So that's all I have for today's episode of The Big Picture. The production, editing, fact-checking, audio engineering, and graphic design were done by yours truly, Bidemi Ologunde. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity topics, news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can all learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe to The Big Picture on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, wherever you get a pod- podcast from, basically. Please share the show with anyone you think might benefit from it. And for questions, comments, or any suggestions, please email me at bidemi at thebidpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at bidpicture. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time, and see you on the next episode. Bye for now.